If this reality is an illusion, who cast the illusion or what cast the illusion? Let's talk about it like this, right? And then there's no, there's no need for judgment in your God, my God. There is no your God, my God. There is only what there is. And the word is not the thing. The tree, the word tree in another language is different, but it's the, that word is still not what you're looking at. So we, as long as we understand that we are sustained by something intelligent, then we, un then we understand that uh, the basic principle of cosmology. And from there, you would move on to what's the point of life and purpose and what are morals and all these things. When you debate them at a as, as deep level without um, trying to push a narrative from a book, instead of trying to say, well, this book says so, so it is. I'm, so I'm not asking you what the book says. I'm asking you to explain logically how that makes sense. You just heard the voice of Ricky Warren who is back for his second appearance on the show. His first appearance was on episode 66, and I was so blown away by Ricky in our first episode that I've kept in touch with him and just had to get him back on the show. In this episode, we go much deeper into spirituality, human nature, and consciousness. Ricky is the epitome of health. He's a world record holder, yogi, calisthenics expert, movement coach, and as you will tell from this upcoming two-part episode, a man full of wisdom. He has just written and self-published his own book entitled New Age Yoga, Seven Paths of Awakening, which I read personally in one day. If you're ready to go within so you can better serve yourself and society, then stick around because this episode will change your thinking on who you really are. Welcome to the show. My name is Ali West and since 2008, I have been working in the health and fitness industry. In the space of just under 10 years, I went from being a glorified treadmill cleaner to the owner of my own 9,000 square foot gym, Kinetic Fitness, here in Nottingham in the United Kingdom. Plus helping thousands of people along the way, both offline and online, to improve their health and well-being. Now I want to help you do the same by sharing my own wisdom and the wisdom of some of the brightest minds in health, fitness, nutrition, biohacking and spirituality so you can become optimally healthy in your mind, body, and spirit. If you're ready, then let the show begin. Hello and welcome to the Kinetic Fitness Show, where we inspire you to live a longer, healthier, happy, and more joyful life. We cover everything you need to know to be optimally healthy in your mind, body, and spirit. Are you ready to become the ultimate version of yourself? Well, let's dive into another episode with your host and guide by your side, Ali West. Hello, beautiful humans, and welcome to episode 109, 109 of the Kinetic Fitness Show podcast. We just had some great news this week here in the UK with Boris Johnson, the Prime Minister, announcing his roadmap to help bring us out of lockdown and back to some kind of in air quotes, normality. So I'm really looking forward to reopening my gym, Kinetic Fitness, in April and being able to book some time away as well, even if that's just a staycation to begin with. So before we get started with today's episode, which is part one of a two-part episode and introduce my brother from another mother, Ricky Warren, I'd just like to say a huge, huge thank you for listening in today. 
If this is your first episode, first time listening to the Kinetic Fitness Show podcast, then welcome. And if you're a returning listener or even a regular listener, then welcome back. Much love and appreciation for dropping in. It really means a lot to me and I appreciate you and I'm grateful for you taking your time out to listen to today's episode. Secondly, I'd just like to make a few announcements and tell you all about the sponsors of the show today. I'd love for you to listen to them as they will help support this podcast and in return help you as well. If you do decide to skip over this part of the show, then all the links are in the descriptions or the show notes of this episode. My first announcement is asking for your help and support. I have just launched a crowdfunding campaign for the Kinetic Fitness Show. This podcast is now at the point where we need to take it to the next level. This means improved audio, visual, editing, hosting, marketing, and promotion, as well as attracting amazing guests, just like my guest today, to appear on the show. All this comes at a price, and off the back of the global pandemic, my business and my podcast have taken a hit. Cash flow has been reduced, making it increasingly difficult to reinvest and grow. I also lost a couple of potential sponsors for very similar reasons. Therefore, I'm asking for your help and support for this podcast so I can reach and inspire even more people around the globe and help them to live a longer, healthier, happier and more joyful life. If you could make a donation, no matter how small or large, to support me and the show via the crowdfunding campaign, I would be forever grateful. I will also give you a shout out on the podcast and on social media for anybody who decides to donate their hard earned money. This is an emotional and mental battle for me because I really do hate asking for money. But in these unprecedented times, even a dollar would go a long way to upgrading my show and ultimately upgrading your experience as a listener. You can donate easily and simply via my crowdfunding page. The link is in the description of this podcast. And please do leave me a personal message. Or if you prefer to remain anonymous, you can do. Either way is absolutely cool. Much love and thanks in advance. And now I would just like to give a big shout out to the people who have donated so far, who are as follows. Andrew, Sam, Ali, Fiona, Cheryl, Ruth, Gus and Oyi. Thank you so much for your kind donations. They really, really do mean a lot to me and I can't thank you enough for helping support me and supporting this podcast. Much love to you. And I just want to let you know that your help and support will help myself and this podcast to grow and inspire more people. I would now like to mention our sponsors of the show. Our first sponsor is Pure Himalayan Shilajit. Shilajit is an ancient mineral from the Himalayas which has been used in the East for its powerful benefits for thousands of years. Shilajit helps to increase your energy and mental performance, plus many other benefits. I've personally been using Shilajit for a while now and I've noticed improvements in my cognitive performance and my energy levels. And I'd love for you to benefit from this powerful ancient mineral. So I've partnered up with my good friends over at purehimalayanshilajit.com and they are offering every listener of the show a 15% discount off any order of Shilajit. Simply hit the link in the description of this podcast, place an order and bang in the code AliWest at checkout. That's AliWest, A-L-I, W-E-S-T at checkout to bag your discount. Our second sponsor is Mudo Health. Mudo are a DNA testing company 
and they make testing your DNA and getting your own genetic profile super easy. All you do is you order your testing kit from their site, it's mailed out to you, you take a simple saliva test, send it back to their lab, and within a couple of weeks, you will get a breakdown of your genetic health with over 90 plus reports on your DNA. Also, you'll get a report and a breakdown on how you can make improvements to your own health on the deepest levels, all laid out in an easy, user-friendly mobile app. Mudo has revolutionized my health, my client's health, and also my family's health. My dad recently got off his medication after implementing the guidance in his genetic report from his DNA test with Mudo Health. That's why I've teamed up with the guys at Mudo to help the listeners of the Kinetic Fitness Show improve their DNA health as well. They are offering all listeners of the show an amazing 20% off any DNA kit purchase. Simply hit the link in the description, add your kit to the basket, and at checkout, put in the code ALDNA. That's ALDNA, A-L-D-N-A, A-L-D-N-A. ALDNA at checkout to bag your incredible discount. So what will you learn in part one and what are some of the key takeaways that you will get from part one of this episode? Well, firstly, we talk about Ricky's book, which he wrote in only one week and I read it in only a day. Ricky also talks about why as a civilization, spirituality and the meaning of life are not discussed enough. Ricky explains about why society is sick and how we've gotten this way. We also discuss animal welfare and consumerism. You'll also learn about mindful eating. You'll learn why most people are ignorant to issues in the world and why they choose to ignore them. We also learn about approaching issues with criticism and how we can improve on them. We discuss veganism and meat eating. Ricky also talks about living in your truth and explains that in more detail. We go even deeper and Ricky talks about transhumanism and artificial intelligence, plus much, much more. So, This whole episode, both parts, are all encompassing. There's so many different areas that we touch on. And what I would say is with this part, the first part of this episode and the second part, listen with a free thinking attitude, open-mindedness and without judgment. And you will get so many insights and wisdom, more health, more vitality and more respect for your fellow human beings and for nature. I don't know if I was slightly emotional when I listened to this episode back for the first time because I was actually 60 hours into a water fast when I listened back. I even had tears in my eyes at certain parts. That's how powerful I believe this episode is and how much it touched me. This episode and this first part, well both parts in fact, are packed with intellectual, philosophical, spiritual and wisdom based conversation. Please make sure that you get yourself a copy of Ricky's book and read it. As I said, I read it in one day and it's absolutely amazing. Do go and message Ricky on Instagram and say that I sent you, say that Ali West sent you, and I'm sure he'd be more than happy to send you a signed copy of his book. If you do enjoy this episode and it resonates with you and you find value in it, please do share it with at least one person. And if you can, please leave me a podcast review on Apple Podcasts. Reviews, shares, likes... They all help me and this podcast to grow and reach and inspire more people around the world. Right then, let's get to it. Without any further ado, this is part one, episode 109 with Ricky Warren. Enjoy. Ricky, Ricks, welcome back to the show second time. Yes. 
glad to be here, mate. Last one was good. Good chats. In fact, we were going on for so long, we didn't really get to discuss much of what we wanted to, did we? So No, but that's good. the way it goes sometimes, and it'll probably be the same today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We'll see how we go. We'll see how we go. So there's uh, there's many things to talk about. I mean, we was having a little quick chat before we started recording then, but um, we'll see where we go down the rabbit holes and whatnot. Obviously, want to speak to you about your book because this is a big thing. I read it in one go on Sunday. Yeah, and I'm impressed that you read it in one go as well. That's a lot of... Because that it's not written uh, in a necessarily easy way to read. I, I tried to make it as easy to read as possible. There's this thing on Word. I wrote it in Word, old school, whatever. I don't know what other people write it on. But when you do your spelling and grammar check on Word, there's a thing at the bottom called um, Fisher Reading Grade, something like this. And it basically tells you how, or the level of language of the whole piece. And it can be child's level, uh, layman level, uh, um, technical level, academic level, science, you know. So uh, it came out with a score of uh, 15, which is basically just underneath academia. So the words in it are academic of nature. And so that's why it's not an easy read in that sense. But it's been written in a style that is more like uh, a, a, a monologue and rhetoric language rather than just factual. So I think it makes it easier to read like that. Yeah, but yeah, yeah I'm, I'm impressed you read it in a, in a day, man. And you said you were buzzing, so I'm really interested to know. Uh, what I'm sure we'll talk about uh, what you think about it, but I'm interested to know how it made you feel, what what reactions your body and mind and, and spirit had to what the content you were reading. Yeah, yeah I mean, for me, it, it, I resonated with a lot of it because I found as if it's the way that maybe my train of thought, my being is going, Um with all the work that I've done in the last five or so years on myself and the stuff that I'm interested in, a lot of the Eastern Eastern philosophies, we could say, that really stood out to me. And to me, what I loved about it is, I don't know if you've done this on purpose, if it was by design or not, but it's only, what, 150-odd pages, which in the grand scheme of things with a book, that's not that many pages. But it felt like, you've got so much content and so much information in just a short amount of pages. So, I mean, I don't know if you did that on purpose or not, but I, th I thought to myself when I finished it, I was like, there's so much in there and I can read it again and probably take more things away from it, implement what I want to implement. But there's only 150 pages. That makes me really happy that you say that because um, the intent of it was that it, it's not, as there's a book called Bhagavad Gita, which is referenced in the in my book, Everybody, um, or oh, a lot of people know what that is, but um, it's it's not supposed to be a book, Bhagavad Gita, that you read in a in a as a story and then stop and say, "I've done it, I've read it." It's it's a reference point, just like the Bible. Yeah. The difference is it doesn't really have commandments in it. It's like a big song of explanation about cosmology and how the universe works and karma works. It's less about you should not do this and that. So. Um, it's it, in that way. I wanted to, I guess, subconsciously, I modeled the book on that. I was like, I'm just going to cram in here as much as I can without making it overcomplicated so that <clears throat> it covers such a wide variety of holistic concepts that somebody can dip in and out of it. And then that means it's not something you just put down. It's something that you pick up when you get into that mood. 
And uh, the nature of it is so that I knew straight away, you might read one paragraph about the distance of the sun to the earth and how it was calculated 5,000 years ago. And you might just stop there and think, I need to research this. And this is, you know, and then you're, you're, I knew that was going to happen at so many points in the book. I was like, you can't write it like a continuous thing. It has to be written that it, it co- that it leads on to the next thing nicely. But the, it has to also be sectioned <clears throat> into um, chapters that summarize the journey without having to be read uh, one after the other. So you could read it one chapter at a time. Uh, you could go straight to chapter six because the content starts by itself, but also leads on. Yeah. Yeah, yeah man. I mean, I think I love how the, the things that I really love about it, and I suppose a lot of other people that get a chance to read it will love as well, is that you've broken it up nicely. Like there's not lo- loads of big paragraphs and loads of text. I mean, for me, that's an easier way for me to read. The paragraphs are very short, broken up. And then, you know me, I'm like a mad quotes person. I love quotes. And you've got like quotes left, right and center in it, but not just quotes that have been thrown in there for the sake of being thrown in. They make sense with what that chapter is about or what the information is putting across. Yeah. The context. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And the reason I put quotes in is like you said, the reason Well, I I assume one of the reasons that you like them is because you see how you might, someone might like a song. A song is an expression of something using tone and pitch and harmony, melody, everything else. And uh, it takes about three to five minutes for you to get the full idea of what the person was singing about. And then you're like, you know, I really dig that. And then somebody writes a quote and it's so, the reason it's profound or we call it profound is because it's like, you used so few words to encapsulate something so rich in content, in emotion. That, that, that's quite a, you know, it's just crazy. It's not a nice thing to look at. So the way I was writing was, let me use the minimal words, but the words are all loaded. Every word is loaded, full of meaning. So this is, I mean, that's the beauty of language, isn't it? If you learn to use longer words that have actually more specific meanings, there's no room for um, misunderstanding or for confusion. Because if you read a sentence and it's written accurately with, with very specific words, you know exactly what they're saying. And if you don't know the words, uh, that's for you to go and read so you can understand. The person doesn't have to change correct language just so you, that's fine, right? It's, where did I come from? I mean, it's like birds and bees and whatever else. It's like, you, this is like, in a way, it's like uh, just giving them ignorance for a little while because they're not capable to understand it yet. But at the point they're capable to understand it, you need to be able to say, now listen, Daddy has this and mummy has this, and this is how babies are made in life. And that's still basic. And then when I start using words like in vitro fertilization, then what, who, who understands that? So it's like at, the, at the end of the day, if I'm talking about in vitro, then I'm talking about in vitro, not everything else. So you can't just say fertilization. You have to specify. And if people don't understand the specification, this is also an education piece for them because they should be interested enough in the content to start looking up the words that they don't know. Yeah. And uh, it happened for me studying all the spiritual stuff. Like I've, I've read the Bible, parts of the Torah, 
the whole Quran, um, a lot of, well, I haven't read anywhere near all of the Vedas and all of that stuff, there's so much, but I've read a lot of parts of them, Bhagavad Gita, uh, Tao Te Ching, um, Buddhist methodologies, things like that, Zen. So I've read so many things, but their, and their language is all the same. Mm. It's, it's, it's like, um, that's why people say sometimes things were uh, written in a biblical way. Because when you use like this, this is something actually on my mind. When you, when you, when I say he, and um, when man does this, he shall know this, right? Then you, then you might have some far radical leftist coming and saying, "Well, why can't it be a she?" And I'm like, "No, no, it can. It can definitely be a she. Equally, yes." What I'm doing is trying to personify what the language I'm using, so you can imagine an individual. Because if I say they, it's very generic and person. It's like a group of people. When I say he, you think about the person. Yeah, I could have said she as well. You're right. I could have said she, but I said he because that's what I identify because I'm a he. And I hope the rest of the book explains about the respect for equality of gender and things like this in its own way about masculine and feminine for people to understand. That's not the intention when you use this biblical language but all of this it conjures certain emotions and ways of hearing it um so yeah yeah i think <laughs> when it comes to those those spiritual texts and religious texts you could say is that there's probably i read once there's like four or five ways you can interpret it and it's 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 like that with words and etymology of words so you can you've got like the surface level and then deeper and deeper and then Obviously, when you read in the New Testament, there's like lots of parables in there and stuff like that. So it's interesting. You can, I think when you re read in anything, whether it's spiritual, religious text or a book, you can interpret it in your own way and then put that into your own life in your own way as well. And I think yeah. that's the same with your book. You can take what out of it what you want and, and put it into practice. Yeah. But for, yeah. for people then, I mean, we've just rattled on about the book there for a bit and people might not even know about it. So can you, I mean, we don't <laughs> want to give too much away because I want people to go and buy it and I want people to 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 get your book and learn more about you and, and what's in it. Sure. But can you just like give people a bit of a context of what it's all about and what your mission was with the book? Yeah, I mean, that that actually sort of also ties on to you in a way, because I, I really appreciate you saying you don't want to give too much away because you want people to buy it and read it. Um, but actually the point of the book was not to be sold, it was to be read. And so if I get to deliver it now on camera and somebody's listening to it, job is still done for me. Yeah. You understand? So like, I don't care if they pay for it or not. I just want people to hear me saying what I've got to say, because this is the culmination of my life's work. Mm. And I'm not, I'm not sharing it from an e uh, egotistical perspective. I'm sharing it to say, wow, look at this information. Let's all get some joy from this. This is amazing. And like, if I have to be the person that brings that information because I found it, then so be it. I mean, like, I, I'm happy to do that. Um, but just for context, I mean, I'm, I'm quite a transparent person. I don't really have anything to hide like that. So there's this, uh, you know, uh, Amazon, you put the book on there, I've self-published it on there. Um, because if you do publishing deal with someone, they, they get involved in the editorial. Mm. and I was like I don't want any editorial style or anything I want this to be written how I want it to be written and then I'll consider doing publishing deals for other things later but this is the first piece to put out my methodologies or thoughts or concepts and uh, and put it all together and then uh, so on Amazon self-publish it 
Now, they set a minimum price that they, because they print it to order. So they, they set a minimum price that you have to put it at for them to make enough to print it and post it. And then out of whatever's left, uh, they would take uh, 30% and you take 70, right? So the minimum they put it up as was 11 pounds, 11 P for a paperback, which was only 150 pages. And it's not, you know what I mean? And so I thought to myself, it's not even hardback. So I thought this is, I wanted to put it as seven pounds 77 because it's seven parts of awakening. <laughs> and then I thought the minimum is 11, 11. So I'll make, and I need to, um, uh, try to make something from it, I guess. Not not like I'm trying to, um, but it, you can't just put it up at cost. It doesn't make sense. You might as well stick it up for something a little bit more. So I thought, what's the closest thing that is numero numerologically sequenced is one, two, three, four, which is £12.34. So the profit on each book is something like uh, one, qu one quid, one quid, 20. And I get 70%. So it works out that I get 40p from each sale of this paperback. And uh, when I put that up and I read, and it said to me, this is what you're gonna get in at England and America and this and that. And I, said, and I looked at it and uh, my heart didn't sink. And I thought to myself, good thing you didn't do this to make money mm. because this would have pissed me. <laughs> if I got to this stage and I've now I've uploaded it and it's ready to go on Amazon and it's there. And uh, uh, you know, they, they've then said, you're only gonna make 40p. I would have been like, what have I just wasted all my time on? I have to sell thousands of these to make anything. And so that wasn't the purpose. So yeah, I'm quite happy to go into as much detail as is useful for this show. But um, I don't know, you don't, I don't know uh, where, if, where, if you wanna guide it in any specific directions or specific questions, because yeah. there's random stuff I can just bring up and talk about, but I'd rather let you uh, let's talk, well, guide let, it. Let's start with the title. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. let's start with the title that would be a good good start so yeah. new age yoga seven paths of awakening why that title and what are these seven paths of awakening i know that isn't till chapter off the top of my head five is it or six yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so you've got so, a lot more that builds into that but yeah let's start with the title and the and the seven paths okay so the i, I oh by I the way there's only one spelling mistake in it that i noticed is there <laughs> I think there's a, I think there's a few, a few in there actually, but again, you know, uh, I'm Virgo rising, but I'm a Taurian by nature. But so I am a bit of a perfectionist, and mm. when I see them, it does irk me a bit. But then I'm like, the, it doesn't detract from the quality of the content. Of course not. So I'm like, I don't really care, and I'm like, there were some mistakes I made with some actual um, uh, little minor details, like the date was wrong on something in my first edition. So I, and maybe like five books were bought like that. And then I noticed it, changed it, re-uploaded it, because you can do that on Amazon and it updated it. So then all the others and the ebook and everything else are now updated. So it's not incorrect now, but so I did, when I notice it and it makes a difference to what I'm saying and it's not right, then I correct it. But the spelling, I was like, well, okay, forgive me. You know, it's not, it's self-published. Yeah. So uh, there's no team doing it for me. I edited all of that myself when no one looked, proofed it for me. I did yeah, every yeah. last bit myself. Uh, I mean, I had friends, Gary Lever, um, and some other people that are quite close to me who uh, let them have a read of the book first because it, Gary's written a book as well called uh, um, Gudo, The Way of Hunger. He's a, a karate guy as well. And uh, it's a really good book. And I just wanted to 
get another author's opinion on what it looked like because I, I wrote this in a week uh Ali. wow yeah? i don't know i tell you i i was awake writing for at least 16 to 20 hours a day like just awake all that time i tried to go to bed at 7 a.m and i'd lie in my bed and i'd be like this thinking about shit what i'm going to add to that bit i just wrote and oh yeah i forgot that let me write that down and i'd be in bed getting on and off my phone adding notes and I might fall asleep for two hours, wake up and, and then feel like I have to get up and write this stuff before I forget it. And I did this for a week and I wrote 30,000 words in a week. And that's three uni dissertations. And I don't know what the hell happened to me during that period, but obviously I, I actually got a bit malnourished. This is my first book, so I didn't know what I was doing really. And I just, I wasn't focusing on eating and I was feeling drained and then stiff because I wasn't doing all my movement. But something was telling me I have to do this because it's coming out so well and I'm just on a roll and I can't stop this. I can't put this down. I have to finish it and I want it done. And then I got to the end of it and I sent it to some, a couple of my friends and whatnot to look at. And then, then I re realized I wanted to add the seven parts. So I didn't add that till after the first edition was already written. So it was just called, I mean, there was some other working titles, I think um, becoming human again or uh, evolving to human 2.0 or some stuff like this. And I was like, I'm just, what am I going to write about? And I started adding. And as I started adding, I was like, well, in order to talk about that, I do have to introduce that. And then in order to do this and that. And then as the contents filled out, I was like, okay, this sounds good. Let's call it something like a new age yoga or something like that, or what yoga really is sent it to my friends. And then while that was happening, then I was inspired by thinking about the fact that um, Patanjali, when he put the yoga sutras together, uh, he, he combined the, the Hatha practice, which is the physical practice, with the Raja Yoga, which is the breath work and meditation. And he said, you have to do all of this together and this is called Ashtanga Yoga. And then Krishna Macharya, who was a, a yogi who was brought to Mysore by the king at the time, um, went to Mysore to set up an Ashtanga Yoga Institute for the king of Mysore. And then the king said, uh, we've got another uh, school here where they're scholars and they study the Vedas and they study philosophy and they study maths and biology and everything. These people are claiming that this is also a way to enlightenment or not enlightenment, but self-awareness and peace and, you know, all these kind, all these good things that make us feel grounded in ourselves and happy. So then Krishnamacharya said, I don't deny that. So let's combine all of it. Let's do all of it. Yeah. And then I thought, so Krishnamacharya took Patanjali's collection of yoga and said, let's add to that knowledge pursuit and left it there. And then I was like, hold on, I've learned so much about frequency and energy and vibration by playing instruments and how each tone has a note of emotion and then the way the indians um have this natya sastra book of performing arts that discusses all of the um deeper aspects of what it is to perform how the, the uh, primary function of the performing arts is not entertainment it's to transport the individual and the audience to a parallel dimension where they're forced to question their own morals, abilities, beliefs, 
So uh, when you play music, you play A minor on a guitar, melancholic, deep. You play a G, baby, baby, you know, and it's like, so then you think to yourself, well, if I'm listening to tones, which are melancholic all the time, I'm going to feel like that. And if I listen to happy, and then it's like, it doesn't necessarily mean melancholy is bad either, but it's just all of that thinking about music and the emotion behind it. The Indians, where if you've got this instrument called sitar, where the scales and the notes are all different to a guitar, and it's a bigger octave set. It's got 12 sympathetic drone strings underneath, which ring in vibration, in synthesis, in uh, synchronization with the plucking strings. Um, and essentially, they don't play their scales like do, re, mi, fa, los, do, re, mi, fa, la, si, ti, la, do, yeah. They play them as rag, which are chord progressions. And the chord progressions are given um, emotions and colors and time. So they would say this is an orange evening sunset raga about love. And then you'd hear the chord progression and you'd be like, wow, that really makes me feel like that. So they were looking so deeply into the metaphysical, I guess you could say, aspects of everything we do in life. And then I thought, right, so you've got breath work, you've got uh, movement, and then you've got healing, you've got meditation, education, uh, music and rhythm and sound and vibration, and then pure energy work by itself, just focusing on energy. And that, when I say energy, because some of these terms, I don't think all of the people who presented them before us have been scientifically inclined enough to translate what they're saying. So people say, oh, feel the energy. I do, I do Reiki. And people are like, this is, this is a... Um, mystical nonsense and then I say well hold on I'm talking about electromagnetic frequency and then I'm talking about you as a bioelectromagnetic being and then I'm talking about the interaction of those two frequencies and what happens to yours as a result of that one so let's talk about it and then they're like oh actually you're making some sense now so it's like this is just lost in language Mm. And then I thought to myself, I'm the perfect person, or I'm I'm perfectly placed, not the perfect person. I'm perfectly placed to present this in a way that speaks to this generation and the educated people of today that understand enough science to not just make their uh, beliefs based in what they what they feel. They've done some study, and then what I'm presenting to them is congruent with it. It doesn't it doesn't deny evolution. So, yeah. And you, and you even say that in the book, don't you? You say, I'm not expecting you to take this as gospel or to believe this. I go away and look, look at it for yourself. And I think that's how any text or any information that you are given or that you process should be used. You, you shouldn't just, oh, yeah, well, I've read this and Joe Bloggs down the street says it. So it's, it's the truth. You've got to go and, and, and dig a little bit deeper for yourself. Yeah, 100%. Uh, the the so yeah the book is called New Age Yoga the seven paths of awakening I put it as a subtitle so that it gave a bit more it, it, I wanted it to show people that there was some kind of practical organized methodology to what's in the book because as soon as you say seven they're like okay he's splitting something he's he's dividing by seven and that immediately lets you know that there's categories inside here 
And then when it says new age yoga, that sounds all kind of uh, unspecific and, you know, new age. I chose that con that word because, or that, uh, what's that called? Two words together with a hyphen. Anyway. <laughs> You're the writer. I <laughs> know, uh, no, no, I'm not. Well, that's the thing. I'm not, I'm not. I'm just an amateur. I just did it, but um, not a professional writer. <laughs> but um yeah those that that word new age when i looked it up it literally means the belief in um the the metaphysical aspects of things that can help us in this um modern era of the metaphysical sorry metaphysical aspects of spirituality that can help us in this era without being religious mm. So that's what they meant by new age. Now, see, yoga, by definition, is not religious. It's not. It is a Hindu-originated discipline, but it is not a religious practice. It's a self-awareness practice, and it what it does. And this is my opinion. This is how. This is the most abbreviated version of what I can. It's. This, and it's not my words, it's the science of God realization. This is what Yogananda called it. But then people get all hung up on that word God. And I had this conversation with someone the other day and I said, listen, if you want to think of it as energy, this is called impersonal form of God. If you don't believe that there's an intelligence that brings things together, then what does? And then the atheist and the scientist says, there is a void and gravity brings everything together. So then I say, you tell me the highest principles that you know of, and they say void and gravity. So I said, so I said to them, so everything is here because of gravity and void. And they say, yes. And I say, so is that your God then? You're just saying it's impersonal and it doesn't have morals. That's all you're saying. But we are, we are still worshipping the highest principle to be that womb that we are inside. What, the thing that sustains us, whether you call it nature, whether you call it God, whether you call it the random but happy melody of gravity and void, I don't care what they want to call it. They are alluding to something which is sustaining us and somehow it maintains in a perfect balanced way. And they were on the atheist that it's not. It's, okay, fine, you can believe that if you want. It's a bit of a nihilistic way or a reductionist or materialist way to look at life. It's not a very joyous way to look at life, but you're entitled to feel that way. Happy for you, be an atheist. And then, so you can be an atheist and still be a Hindu in a sense. As, as, long, as, you, as long as you're not under the most basic of illusions that you become what we call tamas which is ignorant so if your ignorance makes you believe a lie then you are a fool you really are a fool but if you're an atheist then you don't believe in lies but also you don't believe in what you can't see that doesn't make you stupid that just means you're you're just a bit unwilling to look into things you can't see with your own eyes i mean it's it's just you're not willing to go there but there's no judgment in that that's your soul and that's your, you don't, they don't believe in a soul, but it's like, that's, that's you. That's your karma and your business. Mm. And so India was always a safe haven for people with different religious beliefs, no matter what they were. Because anywhere else in the world, they got persecuted. 
nobody has been persecuted in India for uh, in the ancient times for having their own belief system. It was encouraged to debate it. It was fun for them for thousands of years to get around in circles and say, let's actually try and figure this out together. Oh, oh my God, you're from the Middle East. You're, you're from so far away. Tell me what your ideas are over there. Let's try and figure what we think over here is this. Let's talk it out. But so then if this reality is an illusion, who cast the illusion or what cast the illusion? Let's talk about it like this. Right. And then there's no there's no need for judgment in your God, my God. There is no your God, my God. There is only what there is. And the word is not the thing. The tree, the word tree in another language is different. But it's the, that word is still not what you're looking at. So we, as long as we understand that we are sustained by something intelligent, then we, un, then we understand that uh, the basic principle of cosmology, and from there you would move on to what's the point of life and purpose and what are morals and all these things. When you debate them at a deep level without um, trying to push a narrative from a book, Instead of trying to say, well, this book says so, so it is. I'm, so I'm not asking you what the book says. I'm asking you to explain logically how that makes sense for everyone, not just what the book says. So then if somebody can sit in front of me and say, well, if you do this and this circumstance happens like this and this, where is the wrongdoing? And I say, you're right. I don't really see any wrongdoing in that. In that, in that situation, I would consider it not permissible because everybody permits themselves. I would consider it acceptable on my moral basis for you to continue to do that. I won't uh, challenge you. You know, if you say to me, "This is my reason and it's and it's valid and it and it's logical," then how will, why would I challenge it? Hmm. But if you want to come and kill a whole load of people in my country and convert them, or you want to do something like this, I'll protect all the people that don't want to be converted. With, with violence if necessary, because it's not, it's not about being all peaceful and all utopian either, like accepting the light and dark, accepting that violence. This is a nice quote. I'll let you, um, I'll let you give me some uh, thoughts on it because um, I'm ranting. But um, uh, you may not be interested in war, but is your neighbour also not interested in war? Yeah, nice. Whose quote is that? I can't remember, but that's it's verbatim. So yeah, yeah. if you Google it, you'll you'll find it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's 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 uh, a lot to unpack. <laughs> Everything you said there for sure. I the first question. I mean, let's deviate. We're going to deviate. And you only asked me what's the, the, where the, top, the title of the book comes from. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was it. But let's de- let, I'm, I like where this is going. So let's deviate away from. Yeah. The book. I mean, the book's going to be there. Yeah. We know we know what's going. Let's deviate away. The first yeah. thing I want to ask you off what you've said is, why do you think we're not having these kind of conversations? Why are we not debating these things um, as much as maybe? the ancients did and why are we not talking about like what's the meaning what's the purpose what is god all that i mean some people are don't get me wrong there's there's people that are talking about these things but i don't think there's enough of these conversations and why do you think we're not having them yeah so th- i'm going to switch now into a kind of different not persona but a different in my head i'm going to give my answers in a very different fashion to how i'm giving them now because uh it it's more impactful to do it that way so it's not like I'm acting, but I just want to say that it, I might sound a bit different. So um, 
it, it might even sound a bit preachy sometimes, but it's not that it's not that's not the intent. It's just trying to bring clarity. So I, I I put it to you that the reason that we're not talking about this is because society is sick, and it's been it's become sick because its its trajectory has sent itself in that direction, and the people are not uh, um, in touch with themselves enough to change it. Because everyone wants this, uh, another quote, it's easy to do it. Everyone wants the world to change, but they don't want to change themselves. And that's the problem. That's it in a nutshell. Like, why? If you've got a problem with something. Do you think we've done that collectively then, mate, as a collective consciousness, we've done that? Or do you think that's by design from... (laughs) powers that be or do you know what i mean <laughs> i i've been for a long time i've had um my suspicions about god knows what exists you know we, uh, i don't want to mention specific names because that's kind of like finger pointing but you know illuminati that kind of thing right i don't i don't say conspiracies are wrong because a conspiracy is a, a cia or fbi term that they made to try and make people look like kooks. It's called alternative information to the mainstream media, which we're all becoming aware is the mainstream media is not always giving us all of the information. They're not telling us right now that Trump is fighting and winning legal battles about voter fraud. The mainstream media is not reporting it. So if I then look at another piece of media that is, why am I a conspiracy theorist? I'm just looking at information. This is the president of the United States on another media channel. So this, this is not about conspiracy. It's about looking at all information and keeping an open mind. Um, remind me of your question because I, I, I went off topic then. The, 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 question, the first question was about why are we not having these conversations? I think you answered that yeah. quite well. The second one was, um, do you think we've got to this trajectory or we're going on this trajectory because of a combined oh, yeah. consciousness? We've took ourselves there or do you think it's some... I don't know. I don't, yeah. I don't know what term. I don't know how to say this in the right way. We're, I don't want to say dark arts, but do you know what I mean? Do you think no, yeah. this is by design? For- look, look, we, we've got this fractal reserve lending system in economy where the banks give credit to people, which they don't actually have in gold. Right. So the, this, this, in, these entire systems look like they're um, set up to actually. Uh, drain wealth from the people that doesn't mean that they were set up with that intention and that doesn't mean that the people that are doing it are doing it by intention it might be happening by result of just we shouldn't have started that it could just be that you know now i give you and the reason i say that is because that that person gave me a bit more peace with the issue because it did piss me off to read about a lot of corruption in the last 10 years and i was just like I don't believe anything I see anymore. What the hell is this? So um, what I'm saying is sometimes if you, if, you, if you try to put the blame onto different organizations or people or humanity or whatever, it make, can make you quite bitter and resentful and angry. And then I heard a perspective um, that said, actually, it might just be because we set these things up and that's the nature of those things to become like that. So there's another example of where a lot of people cite that socialism often turns into communism. And they say that because you can vote your way into socialism, but you have to shoot your way out of it. So uh, 
you know, is, is socialism wrong? At its core, probably not in terms of its manifestos and policies. But what it allows to happen can go very wrong if we don't stay conscious, right? So that principle expounded into all aspects is what we've done. And uh, it's now got to such a point where the, the momentum has picked up so much that people are saying, well, we can't stop it. That's just resigning yourself to a shit fate. Mm. I refuse to lie down and keel over. I refuse. Sorry. So you want to do that? Go, fine. Go and keel over somewhere else. Don't tell me. Uh, there's another quote. The man who says it can't be done should not disturb the man doing it. So you think you can't change it and you want to be a nihilist and say the world's going to end, then go and cry in your corner. I'll still try and change it. But if you come out of your corner and you start trying to uh, cause a problem for the people trying to change it, then you are actually what I would call tamas, which is basically demonic energy ignorant, based in ignorance and fear and selfishness and greed and all these things we hold in contempt. Whether you call them sins or not, they are contemptuous behaviors that we want to eradicate between us. Mm. Um, so yeah, uh, I just feel like. Um, so you said you said you started all that off with what, mm. with what I really thought was was brilliant, and I want to go into that more. Which is, you said society or as society was sick. Elaborate. What do you mean? Uh, I know so what some, you mean. <laughs> yeah. there, there, there's a lot of different um, gurus and philosophers and, you know, Alan Watts and people like this that I've listened to. And the, the gurus are, are less diplomatic, even though, see, Alan Watts can be quite cutting sometimes. But in a, he was quite funny. Do you know what I mean? Like, and he, his voice was quintessential. So he was, he's that British guy that spoke very diplomatically and it's like, oh, he must be intelligent and he sounds quite funny and lighthearted, but sometimes he cuts you a bit, but it's in jest. The gurus don't play with you like that. They just tell you what they think and how it is, but it's based on ancient philosophies that have been evolved over thousands of years of humanity. This is not one man's opinion. This is how the world has worked for a long time when they give these opinions. So, um, the... There's a guy called uh, Srila Prabhupada, who was the guy who instigated and created the Hare Krishna movement. And he was um, very, he had a lot of great interviews in America. He went there when he was really old and uh, created this Hare Krishna movement, which is, feeds millions of kids um, every day to the day now. And uh, he, he basically presented a counterculture to the one that was in America at the time. And he, a lot of the hippies at the time who were disengaged with the capitalist uh, uh, society at the time and whatever else was happening there, kind of were swayed towards him. But then more educated, sorry, that's a really bad way to con contrast it. But then other people who weren't so uh, liberal in their views, but also were educated, also started to see what he was saying because it wasn't based in just hippiness it was based in hippiness but it also had much logic and love on top of that so it was wholesome and he sat with many social workers government workers psychologists people like that and they they'd ask him questions that you're sort of asking me but i'm not uh uh there yet where i can kind of answer them 
that easily, but I try to kind of bring together the culmination of what I've learned from them. Now, Prabhupada would say, I'll give you a little sort of summary of a discussion between him and a social worker. Uh, so the social work, the somebody said to him, what would you do if a thief came in right now? And he said, what do you mean, what would I do? Thief needs to be punished. And he says, yeah, but uh, you've, you, could, you could say in some ways that you're a thief. So there's this ancient Indian tale about someone being arrested by a king and the king says, you're a thief, how shall I punish you? And the, and the thief says, well, you're also a thief because you stole this state and you stole this. And then the king goes, all right, go, and you let him go. So Prabhupada says, well, yeah, you can say that as well. Thief should be punished. If I'm a thief, then, punish, then I should be punished. And then the guy said, but what if he's stealing because he's hungry? and needs to eat. Prabhupada said, where is the question of hunger? I have told everyone, this Hare Krishna movement, you come here, you sit, you chant Hare Krishna with us, you play music and you eat sumptuously and you rest with shelter. We don't ask you for nothing but involvement and help. That's it. So where is the question of hunger if we are providing food? So then, then the social worker says, well, uh, when it, uh, we do what the people tell us to do. The people vote for what's important and we work on that. That's our job as elect, uh, electors of the, you know, whatever, uh, the people. And then he says, Prabhupada says to him, uh, if your job is social welfare, then why are people hungry? And he says, so if people aren't hungry, where is the question of thief? And then, you know, he can go into that more and dismantle it a bit, but I'm sure he'd have a good answer. But the point is, if you have taken care of the basic needs of humanity, why, why are there people, I'm sorry, but why are there people starving? And, and we wake up every day and we forget this, right? We are throwing food out all the fucking time. And there are people who have nothing to eat and are dying at one years old, two years old, three years old, all over the world, bro. It pains me even to say it, to think about it. Why are we being so heartless like that? So why is there even hunger in the UK? These Tesco's and these people, yeah, for a long time, it took so long for the law to even allow them to give their uh, food they couldn't sell away. What kind of just law is that? What justice is this for the people? You've made this law to benefit your corporations. This, this law should protect the people and the people only. All laws. Mm. Not, sorry, not just the people, the environment and the animals and all beings, all things. But it's, it, it's, not, it's not to protect uh, ideologies uh, in, in, the terms of, in terms of, you know, like, oh, not, not, uh, the political ideologies, that's the better word. It's not there to protect political ideologies. Like, I think we should do capitalism, so, you know, let's... So, capital, you know, that, this word, don't get me wrong, I do agree on it. I do agree with capitalism in the sense that there should be a free market. You know what I mean? But you don't combine that with a political thing. You don't need to combine that with politics. You know? Mm. We can just have free trade. Where's the politics? The politics comes if there's theft. Where's the theft if there's no hunger? Why is the government's job not to create social welfare over everything else. They want to debate in court whether a thief should be charged or not. Why are they not debating why he's hungry? 
So that's what I meant when I said it's sick. Now, if people want to approach any topic from any angle, you can't do it until we take a sit, seat back, a sit back and acknowledge that we are sick in the way that we're operating. Mm. We are sick in the way that we line up animals and cage them and slave them and kill them. If, if I'm probably the only person that hasn't eaten meat for 10 years that would defend your eating of meat in certain circumstances, or anyone's meat, eating of meat, I don't know if you do or not, sorry. But um, yeah. you did, yeah. So like I said in my book, if you live in Alaska, you can't grow agriculture and ice, you have to catch fish. I'm not talking about hunting and the natural way of natural created beings. The cycle of life happens in the way it does and it happens in balance. We are dis, you know, disproportionately distorting that balance by caging them all and breeding them just to die. This is absolute demonic savageness that we're doing across the world because of consumer greed. And then you buy that and you waste half of it. Like, I can't believe it. It's like, so if you're buying from places where they've been on a farm and loved and then it's come their time and they're eaten, they're going to die anyway. You know what I mean? Mm. I get it. They're going to die anyway. If it's been looked after, it's had a good life, it's been free as much as it could be. But there's a difference between being in a little cage that you can't move out of all your life, uh, plunged with hormones to keep you uh, uh, in a sort of a lactating state so you can give milk, um, antibiotics, you know, getting sores on all your knees and ankles. And what kind of, what are we doing? Now, if people would cannot you say that, mate, that would, uh, when it comes to being sick we're all sick yeah we are mm. every that's what i mean every that's why i said that's that's why i said society is sick but mm. i don't i don't mean uh no so you see yeah we are society you are society Prabhupada said that the guy said my job is to serve society not to socially reform that's what the social worker said to him uh when he said where's the question of uh, thief if there's no hunger he said we just do what the people tell us we're not here to reform society we're here to uh, support it he said so why, why is there no social welfare then then he was like well you're quite right and then I was just like well you've got nothing to say have you because so I'm and then he said I I'm here to uh, do what the people want and Prabhupada said I am the people I'm here I am society shouldn't you serve me as well then so it's not that all of us are sick as individuals. I think actually, inherently, none of us are sick. But we've been made ill through uh, dogma. Mm. We've been made ill through dogma. And when I say ill, I mean psychologically perturbed or ignorant or dissuaded from seeing the actual truth of the matter and the reality. Like, I, I'm... I, like and you, you, people will be listening to this and thinking, oh, what do I think about that and this and that? Yeah, I'm going to ask all of all of you this right now. Okay, if you have to sit down in a room with an animal, whatever one it is that you want to eat, and you've got to kill it and cook it and eat it, can you do it? Now, if you can do it, and um, you think and and you you would do it in such a way that you feel you're respecting the animal 
um, in terms of making sure it doesn't die in pain. And then when it's dead, you might say a little prayer to your God or to the earth or to what sustains you. And you acknowledge that it is not your power that fed you, but that this animal was given to you and that you are lucky for being able to sustain yourself from it. If you have this attitude to it and it's not done in, in an unbalanced way that causes mass suffering and mass pain, genocide across the world and slavery and all these things, then what's the problem? I don't have a problem with it. If you can sit there and kill that rabbit in front of your child, in front of your child, kill the rabbit and teach it that it's normal and watch it scream and suffer and wriggle while it's still got its blood coming out of its body. And if you can do it and you can detach yourself healthily and say, this is a really sad thing that's happening. A life is dying. And that's why I'm so grateful that I can actually use this to sustain myself. Thank you so much, universe or whatever. You're still coming from a place of humility and understanding. And I don't think I would classify that as um, uh, evil. I would, I would personally, and this is where I say, I to try, and not, try not to be preachy, but I would classify it as ignorance personally. Because if you sit with any other animal that's a pet, you should feel some kind of love and affection. If you don't, then maybe you're a bit colder than the norm. But then I'd question how you feel towards your fellow man and what your attitudes are and your behaviours in society. Mm. So if we round it all off, right? tell me you can sit and kill something yourself in front of your child and eat it and not feel any ounce of you know, cringe about what you're doing. Then I don't have, a, I don't have any uh, challenge for you. I'm like, you're living in accordance with your natural way of that you were created. Yeah, I, I think... I think personally that it's the it's maybe like the sleeping the sleeping masses and again it's like I don't want to use that as a like a, a conspiracy theorist term or whatever but I think the lack of awareness and the lack of like being awake and alert and alive to what's really going on I think that's an issue and that boils down and comes into being a sick society as well because I think you've kind of put it quite beautifully there if you can sit there and you can kill it and you, you know where it's coming from you can bless it but people don't think about anything like this you know what I mean people don't think yeah, but about you, you, blessing the food or where that food's come from or the fact that I can flick the switch on and I've got electricity and all that we 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 take everything for granted we're almost like spoiled particularly in the yeah. western society and I just think, yeah, if you can think a bit deeper, if you can be more aware, more awake, however you want to label it, then you can respect these things and these processes uh, and use them how you see fit. But we don't. We just like take, take, take. And we're so spoiled that people don't care. It's just madness. <laughs> well, this, 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 what you just said is, is spot on as well. But, it, but I, I, would, I would slightly, if I was to re uh, rephrase it, I would slightly rephrase it where you said that um, people are asleep. You know why I don't like this word, woke and asleep? Because asleep implies that you're passively ignorant. Uh, you're not passively ignorant. You know there's something wrong, but you don't want to sit there and look at it. You yeah. don't want to because it gives you discomfort. It makes you uncomfortable to sit there with your own traumas and your own questions about how this world is actually, why I'm here. You don't want to think about it. Sorry, not you, but yeah, I do. So you uh you know people yeah it's like when um, people get angry or or emotional and yeah. they don't want to live in that emotion yeah. or, or accept it or analyze it and, and so what what do they do instead of dealing with it they distract themselves 
That's what, and that's another part of Sikh society. The television is a Sikh aspect of society because it's just programming coming through a screen. Uh, I saw this really interesting artwork where there was pictures of people um, looking at their phones or TVs or digital screens, and then they removed the object that was digital. And then you just got people doing this. Yeah. Like this. I, I say that about off topic, mate, but I say that about um, the machines in the gym as well. Like in our gym here, we haven't got many resistance machines and people come in and like, oh, you haven't got any like chest press or whatever. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. Just imagine you doing those movements, but take the machine away. And they're like, oh yeah. Like <laughs> it's the same thing. The though, isn't it? Oh yeah. It's a push up. <laughs> yeah. 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 Sorry. Off topic. No, 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 no. It's true. People don't want to sit with the traumas and the deeper morals and ethics and actually manifest them and live them. So when a person can't see an animal being killed, but they're happy to eat it, uh, you've got a problem. And it's not my problem with you or anybody else's problem with you or your problem with the world even. It's your problem with yourself <laughs> because you can't bear to see it that means you can't bear to see the reality. Mm. And you're, that means you're living unconsciously because you're living in a way that does not match what your deeper inner self is telling you is acceptable. Do you so, think we live like in an age of hypocrisy then? I, and I think that this year, more than ever, as we record this, as, as we're doing this, it's coming towards the end of 2020 and this will probably come out in the new year. But I think this, this year more than ever is just brought up hypocrites left right and center yeah i mean there's i get what you're saying and uh there's two there's there's always two ways that we can approach any topic that we discuss yeah we can approach it from criticizing what's wrong with it mm. or we can approach it from how can we improve it and now and again if i feel really passionate about something sometimes you have to stand up and say look we need to stop this this is mad and then you can say this is really bad and it comes across as a negative thing you're saying but and it is a negative thing because you're talking about something negative um but then other times you can talk about saving a particular species that's going endangered and people will back it and it's like so you know where do you get the most wins and not cause too much conflict yourself by creating these things. But, you know, do you apologize? Did Rafiki apologize to Simba when he hit him on the head with a stick? I love that bit. He hits him on the head with a stick, doesn't he? Yeah. And then he goes to hit him again and Simba ducks it. And he goes, but if you learn from the past, like that, right? And it's like, so if I hit you on the head with a stick and say, what, what are you doing? You don't like killing animals. And then you say, stop hitting me on the head with a stick because uh, I don't want to think about that. Then uh, then I would stop hitting you on the head with it. But if you keep coming on my page, the stick's there. And then that means that people think, oh, if I go to that page, I'm going to get stick. Does that make sense? Yeah. So is that if you only put out criticism of everything wrong, then people just feel like you're judging and sticking them all the time. And I don't like to be that person, but if I'm really passionate about something, I'll be like, listen, look, look at yourself, what you're doing right now, come, come on. But generally, I'm not like that. Generally, I'll prefer to say, you know what you can do with, with the potential you have? You can do this and this and this. Let me show you how to do it. 
Mm. And that that is a much more that's coming much more from a place of love than judgment. But I do want to mention this last thing quickly on that, which is that um, you notice how um, so somebody posted a, a a picture on Facebook. Um, a person I've got like maximum friends on there because people add me just to watch my stuff. I use it more like a business account. It's not a personal account, but it is a personal page. And um, someone posted something, which came on my newsfeed. It was uh, bacon strips um, in the shape of masks. And there was like quite a few of them uh, cooked. This is just, uh, um, I won't obviously tell, uh, divulge her information, but it's a, I think she's a single mother with a daughter and maybe has a boyfriend at the moment or not or whatever from looking at pictures. But <clears throat> she, she put that up just a general person you might have next door right now. And the statement was above it, um, even uh, vegetarians and non-maskers can't resist. And then I looked at it and I thought, look, the thing is, right, I don't agree that you should eat uh, meat. That's not my opinion on it. Right? I don't think it's, we need to do it. And I think unnecessary harm is unnecessary, not just for uh, the good and benefit of everyone but for yourself you're creating conflict and tension by killing things so I, we have a ideological disagreement there but and you want to put up a, a picture of the bacon in a way that's like you shoving it in my face and dangling it like this and then that even that fine then i shouldn't get offended because i don't need to look at your stuff i can just unfriend you which is what i did because i was like i don't have anything personal against her I'm sorry, but I don't want to see bacon put up like that, right? And normally people do put pictures of food up, chicken and whatever else. I don't unfriend them for it. I unfriended her because of what she said, because mm -hmm. she said even vegetarians and uh, non-maskers, right? So one, I don't eat meat, and one, I don't wear a mask. <laughs> I don't agree with it, yeah? So you've offend you're not offended, but you've, you've critiqued me and you've singled me out. Yeah. You said, you non-masker and you person that doesn't eat meat, you can't resist it. Here it is. And mm. I'm like, what What kind of person are you? You're just trying to antagonize people. And it antagonized me because, and the, the difference You think is, she meant it like that though? It doesn't matter. It's not about uh, intention received, uh, intention yeah. uh, intended. It's about intention received. Mm. That's, that's her just saying, I can be how I like and you lot should just accept me. No, fuck yeah, you. Yeah. Got fuck you. you. You, you conform to the, to the peace in society, right? So you can't just say what you want. Like, uh, you can, in free speech, but be prepared for consequence then. Mm. That's all. You can say what you want, but don't think I'm going to just be your friend and let you, let you say it. If you can say it, I can also say something. So what I, initially, I was going to post a picture of a pig slaughterhouse underneath it to be like, sort of, and then say, enjoy your bacon. You know what I mean? And then I'm doing the same thing back to her. So what I did was I put a picture underneath of a piglet smiling in a bathtub with something else. And I just put the picture. I didn't even say anything. And I was like, let her heart think, think about that. You know, you want to eat it, whatever, but think about the way you've put it up and what you said. Mm. And then you've seen this little baby pig and think about how your daughter would react to that pig and whatever else. Think about it. And if you still think it's okay to eat it, nobody's told you not to, 
Yeah. Where do you get off? Where do you get How how do we get people thinking more deeply, like just going into themselves or or, or being more aware? Because this is this is the issue. This is I think what the book's the about in society <laughs> is that the the people aren't thinking. They're just they're just like letting life happen to them, and they're just boom, 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 and there's no there's no thought behind it. That's what the book's about, isn't it? Really. <laughs> Go and get the book. That is what yoga is about. That is what it's about. Um, but ju- I, I just wanted to finish on that thing. Sorry, I have this habit of expanding too much on stuff. So just stop me if I go too much. But so that good. that bit where I said keeps my job easy. Uh, she <laughs> she was she was kind of attacking and pointing uh, with her picture, right? With her meal and whatever, and then. I've heard this sort of argument come the other way, saying, well, you know, vegan Jew is attacking us for eating meat, right? Now, there is a stark difference here, and I want to make the, the note of what it is. When a meat eater prods at a vegetarian for not eating meat, this is basically uh, saying, it, this is basically defending your position. Yeah, you're saying, I want to eat meat, and so I'm going to defend it, and you're wrong, right? Then the vegans and say, I don't want to re- eat meat, and I'm going to defend it because you're wrong, right? Because they're both saying the same thing, except for whether they eat it or not. The difference is, who is the, the meat eater doing the defending for? Who is the meat eater defending? When, he's, when, they meet, when the meat eater says it's okay to eat meat and you're wrong, you should eat it, it's natural, it's ancestral, it's whatever, who, is, who are they defending? Themselves. Yeah, they're defending themselves. They're defending their own right to eat it, their own right to murder and their own right to kill. When somebody else says you shouldn't eat it, that's not me defending myself. I'm defending a helpless being. But could, you, so say, not, could you say, though, that... Not that this is how they'd think about it, but <laughs> could you say that yeah. they are maybe defending the freedom, the, the the cycle, the cycle of of life? Do you know what I mean? That uh, somebody takes a life to provide life for another, which is not what. Well, see, uh, this is why I don't identify as vegan because there, it's kind of developed into a cult, which has a set of views you have to adopt if you become it. I don't have to adopt anyone's views. I have my own views on everything. So I don't have to call myself anything. Yeah. But I do allude to plant diet, which means I don't eat meat. That's what I'm trying to say when I say that. So um, you, everyone does things for, um, everyone does things for their own reasons, but that people also do things for the, the for the benefit of the whole, of every of everyone. Mm-hmm. Which, which everyone tends to agree is a bit is what we call noble, yeah, and yeah. it's called noble because it's it it feels like something higher when you do something for the benefit of the whole rather than just for the self. So when if if I don't feel like it it can uh, when you're talking about the circumstance of natural hunting, you're not disturbing the natural balance and order as we said earlier. But when you're eating uh, McDonald's, you are disturbing that. Mm. And so nobody's, they want to 
keep the conversation or debate in an area where they're in control, which is I'm allowed to eat it. Oh, you won't take my freedom. I can do it. And I'm like, nobody's telling you that. I'm trying to appeal to your inner logic to help to see if I can show you something that you might not be seeing right now. That's all. I'm not attacking you. I'm saying the behaviors you're doing are destructive in these ways to yourself in this way and to other beings in this way and to the environment in this way. And if you counter argument me with the same points for your argument, then we don't have a fight. We have a, we have a healthy debate and we are educating each other. And then if we both go away without changing, then it doesn't matter because we both got to hear other person's perspective and we became stronger in our own belief. Yeah. Right? But what I do find is... The other thing as well, I, just can I just tag something onto that, is course, also to, um, um, to accept it. Do you know, uh, like accept maybe that you was wrong and, or, or that maybe you thought something or you had a strong belief around it, maybe your beliefs changed, your opinions changed, and, and to accept that, not reject it, the sa same thing as what we were saying earlier about like living in that emotion and, and just be honest with yourself if you have made a mistake or you've got something wrong. Yeah, in living in your truth, yeah. Mm. And it, living in your truth, does that mean? So this, again, I, I don't know what, if it's an entity or an organization or what, or if it's an individual set of individuals or if it's just an effect of society, but things are getting twisted like that. So... Um, you know, let's say, for example, uh, Elon Musk, right? He's just brought out a newer link chip, right? You watch yeah. his video on YouTube. It's up there, 15 minutes about. It's this size, yeah? And they, they drill a hole in the skull with a machine exactly that size and then insert the chip in that space. And it sits, in his words, flush with your skull. So nobody would know it's ever there, is his words. And then, of what is incredible, I have to give it to them, technologically incredible, in, ingenious. The machine inserts um, electrodes from the chip to areas of the brain where the nerves uh, uh, or gray matter and everything else, where the uh, neurons, sorry, are not working or where they've been damaged. And then when the chip sends the signal, those parts of the brain light up and they do the thing they're supposed to do, right? And then he demonstrated this working on a, I think it was a disabled pig who, who then they trained back to being able to not be paralyzed and then took the chip back out, right? This is exactly what I was saying about you should not be effing with this stuff. Just understand what, can of worms what what's that box in greek mythology that has all the crap that comes out of it pandora, pandora. pandora's box pandora's yeah. you're opening pandora's box elon musk yeah and you know you are and you're happy to do it because you're in this position where you've got money and you can do what you want but you're not thinking about 100 years from now what happens as a result of you developing that why are you developing a nuclear bomb whoever made that why are you doing that whoever made the nuclear bomb should be in prison is my opinion. Whoever made the nuclear bomb should be in prison. Why did you make a device like this? What have you done? What have you done? Do you know what I mean? Now yeah. we're all in fear of the button being pressed. That's it. And one time it happens, everyone's done. Because there's now, 
it's not just about one presses it and the other responds. As soon as one's pressed, the others all respond yeah, to yeah, it yeah. going in the air and they respond straight away. And immediately the whole world's gone like that. What the fuck have we done? We did this by allowing that man to create that bomb. Who, that man that created that bomb was funded by who? Either corporations or the government, not by the people. Yeah. The government gave the people's money or the corporations did it. Now, Elon Musk is not the government, he's a corporation. He's equally capable of creating things that can be turned to weapon, weapons of mass destruction, mass oppression, mass control. Mike, he says you can go into the um, hospital and come out in two hours or same day and uh, you'll be fine after having a hole drilled in your skull with a chip inserted in your brain. Yeah. And um, so... That, 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 to me, that to me just links to all the all the same problems that we've got now, but just on a, a much more kind of sci-fi scale. Like it's instant gratification, isn't it? We want rather than solving the root cause problem and going after the, the things that are going to make us collectively as seven, eight, nine, 15 billion people on the planet come together and have more love, harmony, unity, all that kind of stuff. We don't want to do that deep work. We don't want to look after ourselves individually so we can collectively look after ourselves we want that quick fix and that's what that this this Neuralink thing sounds like to me is that oh yeah all your problems will be solved we want the easy route out well the other thing is when you want it out you can only get it out by them so they have this control but listen to this this is gonna this is exciting i literally just wrote this up a few days ago so this is like exclusive <laughs> basically you know this thing iron man used to have or he does have before he died in Avengers 2. Spoiler alert. Yeah. I've not seen it, the, but go. Okay. <laughs> it looks like this, actually, but it's smaller. Right. And uh, it's called, oh, yeah, it's it's like, called, uh, yeah, I know what you're saying. Yeah. It's called in um, science theory and physics and stuff. It's called an arc reactor. And it, um, it produces its own energy, basically, uh, without, it's probably like a radioactive device that's uh, creating energy like that. Uh, through uh, fission, nuclear fission inside itself, but it's very small. So it's like a little sun. But the sun is based on fusion, actually, not fission. Fusion is a uh, bringing together, which creates energy. And fission is when you break them apart and smash them together. So if you, uh, so they've created this arc reactor in Iron Man, but it wouldn't be too far till they can make one. Now imagine this. This is really cool stuff, and I just wrote this out. There is something called a matryoshka brain, which I talk about in the book, which is the supercomputer that is fed into from all the Facebooks and WhatsApps and everything. It knows everything the community and society is thinking because of what we're saying and algorithms and tapping into all of our stuff. So this matryoshka brain processes all of that. It's this ultimate AI, right? And it's connected to 5G in the grid. And then... To power such a big computer, you create um, a Dyson sphere, which is how to harness the power of the sun by putting, by putting technology around it, like they did in a, one of the Thor movies when they remade a hammer for him. They had to harness the power of the star to actually weld it. So you put this Dyson sphere around the sun, and this powers this super AI matryoshka brain, right? Now imagine... Elon Musk said you can also get a neural link in the spine which could reanimate parts of your body that are uh, absolutely dead. So imagine this. I entitled this 
how to reanimate a dead body and make it a, and make it a robot. So you take a dead body. The first thing you do is you put an arc reactor in it, and this creates energy in the body, right? And then you create mechanical lungs, which are pumped by the arc reactor. This pumps air in and out of the body, and then you can create sound, right? Then the neural link in the head powers the brain, which depicts to the body what to do. So the lungs, the mechanical lungs, and the arc reactor heart are powering the neural link in the brain and the neural link in the spine. And the matryoshka brain is feeding through 5G to the chips what to do. Is that not possible? I've just thought this through the other day. Well, it, days well, of course, it's possible, and it's all—it's all. It's all they, they've laid it out, like you say. You've right. Named three or four films where they've already laid it out, and I could name but, you another fifty-five yeah. films where they've laid it all out. <laughs> yes, I'm, I'm saying if 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 what he's doing has this as one scenario, and it doesn't seem that unlogical that it's possible, you can reanimate a dead body to look like it's talking and it's real. By and and feed it algorithm movement data. So imagine it would look like this. You, it would it would wake up like that, and then you you send it movement signals, and it would start to go like this, like this. And then over time, as the AI learns, it starts to smoothen out, and the words stop becoming like this, and they start to sound human, and then they look human, and then you've got this learning machine which is reanimated mechanically. But it's in human flesh, yeah, and it's got a human brain. This is really, really fucked up stuff. And like, I'm going I'm to play. Saying, uh, I'm going to play devil's advocate here and say that uh, that I reckon that's already here. I reckon there's people. Yeah, but it, it, these it probably is in the already. Yeah, it probably. And Elon Musk says in that video, "Oh, well, you know, if I had one, you wouldn't even know it. It'd be flush with my skull." And I was thinking, yeah, you definitely. You've probably got ten. <laughs> you probably are a Neuralink. That's what yeah. you. Are. <laughs> what i'm saying that's what i'm saying it's already here probably yeah. then you got these yeah it's just yeah incredible stuff but so imagine imagine in the future it's a fine line isn't it i think mate i think it's like a fine line because we're we're using tech here and like you've got to be thankful and grateful for some of the tech that, that we've got and the, the fact that you're um what 250 miles away from me and we can talk through a computer and then i've spoken to someone in australia this week and blah 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 but um it's a fine line, isn't it? You could, you can, we could harness and use technology for, again, I'm labeling stuff, but for goods, for positives, for, for, for bringing the world into a better place, or we can take it and use it how we are using it at the moment and how you've outlined there and just full blown. I, ha I have just everything. thought of a way that we could, we could fix that. I, I look, I'm not a politician. I'm not, I'm not everything like this. So I can only put out ideas, you know, and I need, I, we all need help to bring them into manifestation because these are global ideas and things that not one man or one woman can do alone. But if you have um, uh, if you have technology that's been developed and you want to say that um, it's being developed so we can help paralyzed people uh, regain the movement of their limbs, this is medical use of a patented device, yeah? So why can't we create laws as in society that say it will become a criminal thing to use that for any other purpose than 
what the people have allowed that technology to be made for. So the reason, the only difficulty in that is private companies and say, well, we can do what we want within the limits of the law. So it's the law is supposed to contain them like it contains us. Now, the law doesn't let us kill people. And so corporations can't kill people, right? But at the same time, it lets them create technologies that can kill people. It's, you know, let me, this is really funny. You'll get there. It's like this adage of the smoke shops you get all over the world where you walk past them and they've got massive uh, 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 bongs and, uh, you know, all these kinds of things. Then you look at them and you think, how can they sell these things? That, that's, that's for drugs. That's for illegal drugs, right? And it's like, but that thing is not the drug. But what else do you use it for? What else do you use it for? I'm not judging anyone's use of anything. I'm not, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about it's not illegal to sell something that helps you use something that they've made illegal. I'm not talking about the morals of whether they should be legal or not. I'm just saying, why have they allowed something that helps you use something illegal to be sold when the thing is illegal? It doesn't make any sense. If it is illegal, if it's legal to own a gun, but not to own bullets, yeah, then no bullets get fired. If it's legal to own a gun, uh, uh, sorry, if it's not legal to own a gun, but it's legal to buy bullets, then you're facilitating it. Yeah. Does that make sense? And then, you know, again, like people are going to go, oh, well, I believe in guns and I support the, I think it's the the uh, Fourth Amendment or Second, which says the civilians have right to bear arms yeah. to protect themselves from harm. Arms doesn't have to mean guns. It means guns because the, because the government have nukes. They, it's, not, it's, just one, it's just a cold war all the time between the civilians and the government and the police and then the other states and the other countries. This escalation with heart, weapons, weapons, weapons. You know, I, I said to my dad once as well, I was like, you know, I wish we all just had, um, were back in the old days where you could walk around with a samurai sword. Because then the truth is, you wouldn't just fuck with anyone. If everyone's walking around with swords, you would start thinking a bit more carefully about uh, whether or not you're going to mess with this person in front of you and how you talk to them. Yeah, but the problem with that is that that puts power in the hands of people who don't uh, have the responsibility to wield it because it's a it's a weapon. But it's still a more equal playing field. I would much rather have an equal playing field where everybody has one sword, yeah, than have a situation where we are all unarmed and only certain people can have weapons and they are questionable in character because they don't have. A code of conduct that they're held accountable to. Mm. Mm. How can you use pepper spray however you want? It's legal for us to carry it and defend ourselves. We still have to justify the use of it. Why is it the police don't? Yeah. They don't have to justify the use of pepper spray. They just say, well, he was getting ang he was getting aggy, wasn't he? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm getting aggy because you're trying to arrest someone on uh, an, 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 an illegal basis. And then you pepper sprayed them. So both of that was illegal. So then, you know, they hardly ever get charged for that stuff. But as soon as you, what, you or I or someone else 
almost gets raped, sprays the person, and then, you know, uh, somehow the court says they also going to charge you for assault. You know, and it's like, it's, that's sick society. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it is. Yeah, it is for sure sick. There you have it. That's it for part one of this episode. I hope you enjoyed it and found some value from today's episode. Please do make sure that you have subscribed to this podcast so that you can be updated with when part two drops and that you can check out part two. In part two, we will discuss how we can change our views on pain and suffering, creating internal order out of chaos, why you should work on yourself first, how Ricky views people who say that we can't change, Ricky talks about how he nearly trained Conor McGregor and how he remained humble when that didn't come to fruition. We also talk about being aware of your intentions, religion and dogma, how to deflect conflict, why we shouldn't fear death, how to stop giving away your power to external people or forces, expansion of consciousness and experience. We also talk about God and science and the nature of our soul, plus much, much more. I'll catch you on part two. Make sure that you're subscribed and I'll see you on the other side. Peace and love. That's a wrap on another episode of the Kinetic Fitness Show. Don't forget to subscribe, leave a review, and share this podcast episode with your friends, family, and colleagues. Until next time, peace and love.